Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive, mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Coffee with the Docs. This is Dr. Abby here, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Nicole. Hey, And we're going to talk all about Nicole's experience with the ketogenic diet and give you guys a ton of great information. But first, Nicole, why don't you tell us what you're drinking today? Yeah, so I'm changing it up big time. Today, I'm drinking some green tea with a little bit of dandelion root in it. And a splash of unsweetened macadamia nut milk. Oh, changing up the nut milks. Yeah. You know, I feel like you got to just change things up. No, I know. Sometimes I'm like, I can't with the almond milk. Yeah, it's like, I'm just having almonds every day. It's like a little much. What does the dandelion taste like? Nothing. That scares me. I know. Seriously, I thought it would be strong, too. It's like a blend. It's one of those traditional traditional medicine right yeah yeah you know what I mean yeah where they have a quote I'll share it with everyone oh there is pleasure in the bathless woods <laughs> what that's the worst <laughs> quote ever <laughs> what is guys you need better quotes traditional whoa oh. bathless woods okay it's not good. moving on shouldn't have shared it all right um, Sorry, but it guys. doesn't, this one, it doesn't really taste anything. It just kind of tastes like green tea, which I really oh, like, okay. but I know dandelion roots like amazing for your liver and like right. helping to get rid of excess water and all the things. Right. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a little bit of coffee and oat milk oh, with milk. a dash of cinnamon. Wow. Stabilizing yeah. your blood sugar during this interview. I see. Totally. That's all right. Great. And then what is your biohack of the moment? Oh, boy. All right. So I feel like this could be a whole separate episode. Do you feel like we say that every time? Because I do. Yeah, yeah, we say that too much. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I had, if anyone's interested in this, you're feel free to email me or DM us at coffeewiththedocs at gmail. But I had a really long consult with a genomicist yesterday learned all about... Can you talk about my, what is a genomicist? Right. Thank you. Uh, it's someone who reads your genome, but not like we think of with 23andMe, where we just look at the individual genes and we sort of try to create a picture. They really look at all of the pathways and how all of your genes play into the pathways. It's way cool. And basically, I have this super rare gene. It's like 5% of the population that doesn't allow me to a detox well, but I produce these like not great estrogens. And so what slows it down is green tea. So that's basically my new biohack is I love how you found that out from like a test. That's so cool. You know, and I have to just say, I really didn't want to go too into all this genetic stuff. I just really feel like we didn't know a lot about it. But the guy who I spoke to, 
Dr. Mansoor, he's read over 6,000 genomes. That's a lot what? of people. I Where know. is he he's out like of? Toronto. And so he's like the leader in the world right now with that and um, mind-blowing. I mean, it was just – wow. he could tell you so much about your body with just looking at – I mean, it's completely crazy. So um, – I'm going to start offering those tests a lot to my patients now because I just feel like it's good, like pieces of the puzzle to know, especially with someone who's who really gets it on how right. the body operates as a whole. And so, um, you know, if a biohack can be as easy as drinking some green tea, it's amazing. Down. Yeah, yeah. I'm all about if you can get what you need from food, basically. Why wouldn't you do that? Totally. I mean, I feel like food is basically like the basis and. You know, something else he said, which is hilarious, because, uh, Abby, I feel like we talk about this all the time, like, less is more. So a lot of his, I also have really poor detox pathways, no surprise there. And it was, like, very small amounts of some of these nutrients to help detoxification. And I was like, oh, I take that. I take, like, 2,000 milligrams. He's like, maybe start with 300. I was like, right. oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? More like, is better. Right. And yeah. I'm always more is better. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll have eight cups of green tea. And it's right. like, no, it's like, like chill out. Just take it back a notch. Right. So I just thought that was really fascinating, too. I think sometimes with supplements, we get really excited about them, which is great. They can be used really effectively. But uh, I think the majority of the time, less is more. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Your biohack. My biohack is enzymes. And I say that because at my office, um, we just did a training and we're starting to do live cell analysis or light field microscopy, which is where like you prick your finger, put it under a microscope right away and you can literally get a live cell analysis of what's going on in your blood in that moment. It's very cool. And the guy who trained us to do it... um, works with all these professional athletes and sport teams. He's amazing. He came out from Arizona to train us. And he is all about enzymes. His whole thing is like, if you're not eating raw food, raw foods have the enzymes you need available with the food, right? Mm -hmm. To break it down. If what you're eating is cooked, which was what a lot of us eat, you literally can't break it down. There's no enzymes included in the food you're eating. Mm -hmm. And... Our pancreas, he describes it as like, it's basically like an ATM. There's only so much money in that account. There's only so many enzymes in your pancreas. And every time you eat a cooked food, you're like withdrawing from that bank account. So whether you're eating something fatty, you're withdrawing lipase, which breaks down fat. Or if you're eating something sugary, you're withdrawing amylase. And his whole thing is like, you know, that's what happens with diabetes, right? You run out of enzymes. You're just done. And so he, I mean, he's seen so many people reverse um, their diagnosis of cancer with like literally enzymes, inflammation, all the diabetes, all these problems. You know, he's like, every problem is basically inflammation or like, what is tumors and cancer? It's like a buildup of undigested proteins, basically, that keeps growing. And so he's all about like, you have to take enzymes and also just about looking at your blood. So kind of like you were saying, it's like learning a new way of testing to really see what's going on with the body is so helpful, especially with patients. Like, let's say they've done whatever, 
you know, like we'll talk about today with you, you've done key, you know, the ketogenic diet and all these different things and you still feel like you could feel even better. Right. Like why not do another form of testing or evaluation? So that was really cool. So I'm all about the enzymes right now. I'm like putting them in like my baby's bottles and everything. Cause I'm like, break it down, sister. Everyone needs enzymes. Everyone needs enzymes. So that's my biohack. Cool. I like it. I love enzymes. I know. They're great. It's the best. Okay. Remember when I traveled to Chicago and I was like, I, I forgot my enzymes at home. Yeah. I'm like, I need I you to bring you. me some. <laughs> and I was like, and I like this brand. You're like, oh, okay. Right. Don't have it. No problem. <laughs> we'll pick it up oh for you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Great. Um, okay. Well, let's get going. So why don't you tell us, first of all, like why you decided to try the ketogenic diet in the first place? Because I know you, you're like, the master of wanting to try everything. You're like a total biohacker. And before you did keto, I know you had tried a lot of different diets as well. Um, so what made you stumble upon and decide to give keto a whirl? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it was getting to a point where I had tried so many different things. And my main goal has always been optimal body composition, basically. There had been a point in time where I would say I was, you know, definitely heavier, um, probably a good 40 pounds heavier than I am now. I would never say I was like that huge, like obese kid or anything, but definitely wanting to dial things in. And of course, I, we talked about before, had asthma and allergies and Mm -hmm. all these things. And so I was really able to get rid of my asthma and my allergies a lot by already changing my diet, you know, going gluten-free limiting dairy. Um, and then through my whole past had stumbled upon these different ways of eating, you know, primarily paleo, um, which is, you know, basically no grains. If you can, you know, kill it, if you can grow it in the ground, you basically can eat it, but not a lot of processed things. Um, and my health definitely kept improving over the years. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but I just kept feeling like I was at this sticking point where things really weren't shifting. Right. You did feel like you'd keep plateauing, like totally plateauing. I'd still have to take my inhaler every now and then. Um, you know, for the majority of the time I really didn't have allergies and a lot of that does have to do with diet, but also all the emotional work too, that we'll still need to talk about at some point. And then But yeah, I just felt like, you know, my body wasn't really changing. I was holding on to water. I was holding on to, you know, what I thought excess body fat. And so I I wish I knew like that moment when I learned about keto and I totally don't. But essentially, I started finding like different blogs. I think it was podcasts, honestly. I do too, because I remember you telling me like, check out this podcast, whatever. Yeah, it must have been a podcast and just... You know, there are some really great people out there who talk about keto in a very educated and healthy way. And I think I felt, you know, I'm very lucky to stumble upon them as resources because they're definitely, as we'll talk about, what I'm going to say are the wrong way to do keto. And I don't really like using the terms wrong or right, but basically what I would consider is not the optimal way to do it for right. a lot of health reasons. Not a like healthy way to do it 
long term for sure. Exactly. And so, you know, I'm like you said, kind of down to try anything. I've done way too many cleanses and different things. Willpower for me really isn't an issue. So it's like, all right, if I can commit to something, <laughs> let's just let's just roll with it. Like that's Can that's you fine. please tell people the progression of like all the different diets you did like the year or two before keto? Oh my God, I don't even know. Because I think it'd be good for people to hear like all the different things you've tried and how different they are and the difference how you feel doing keto. Sure. I mean, definitely doing like paleo. I did do a homeopathic HCG program, which, you know, it it worked. I, I definitely got down to one of my leanest weights. The thing about HCG is you can't really exercise while you're on it. It's Mine was like, was definitely low calorie. It wasn't low as some of them are. Um, But I know I think HCG has its own set of issues for sure. And I do feel like it threw my thyroid and my metabolism off quite a bit. Um, And then I went from that into being a vegetarian, which (laughs) I'm going to be honest. This is why I want people to hear this because it's like you did so many different things. I know I do. I did love eating vegetarian meals. I'm not going to lie. I loved big bowls of like vegetables, sweet potatoes, lentils and the whole thing. But um, while I did feel really good for maybe three weeks a month, I I did get really tired. Right. I I felt like my energy was crashing. My workouts weren't as good. Um, I'm a blood type A. So I really so I kind of subscribed to that way of thinking too, of like, oh, you're a blood type A, you should be more plant-based. And Can you I think tell I, people what that comes from? Eat right for your type. I can't think of the guy's name. I can't either. But just the basics on like the blood type diet yeah, that you're it's, speaking to. The idea is that every blood type basically, by the way the antigens are in the blood, you, there's a certain way you should be eating that's best for your body. So like a blood type O, they're supposed to do really good with like fat and protein. Blood type A's are like grains, vegetarian grains. Right. No way. Um, that's my issue too. I'm like, what? I A could never be a vegetarian. Like right. since I was like two years old, I've been like a carnivore. Right. No, and exactly. grains are like woof. Oh, I did terrible on grains. I mean, I think, you know, so then I start thinking like maybe it has some, the thing I did like about the blood type diet is that it eliminated a lot of nightshades. I did feel a lot better not eating tomatoes and eggplant peppers. I seem to do okay with, but not like putting pepper on everything. Right. Um, So I think there, you know, there's, there's good things that you can grab from each way of eating Right. And, and I think everyone with the blood type thing could probably find like at least one or two things that they're like, oh, yeah, I know I don't feel great if I have that. Right. Exactly. Totally. So I feel OK. So then I went from vegetarian and then I started eating protein again. So then I was doing more back to paleo and right. then I found keto. Right. And I don't think, and then I, I bought like 10 books on keto. Right. I mean, I have a lot of books. <laughs> right. Well, but <laughs> you knew, I'm sure knowing what you know, like it has, it has to be done right. Right. And it has to be done for how it works for you. And, 
you know, Sean Miner is really good about talking about how everybody has their own version. Like you can't look at somebody else's meal plan and decide that's the way it's going to work for me. Right. It could be a good starting base, but you really have to figure out how it's going to work for you. And I'm pretty intuitive and I, you know, it's like, I'm still trying to figure it out. So I think, you know, I just got more information yesterday after talking to that genomicist about what different foods I could include versus maybe not have as much while I'm doing keto. So I think it's just a constant refining process. Right. Well, and where, so then you land on keto, you like heard about on podcasts, you're reading about it. I'm assuming like I did too, you probably had patients asking you about it because it's like the latest and greatest. No, totally. About it. Right. But were there specific goals you had in mind or like things you wanted to work on in your health that led you to want to do keto? So for me, it was, you know, it can I lose more body fat? I mean, that was always a big thing. Could I have more energy? And a big thing for me was hormone balancing. And when I say hormones, I'm not just talking about the ones we think of like progesterone and estrogen for a woman's cycle and obviously everything in between. I was, you know, I've always dealt with some hypothyroidism and um, my adrenals have always been a little bit of an issue, I think. And so I was just looking for something that would sort of balance all of those. And reading about keto, it really sounded like that it would offer those as solutions. Mm -hmm. So, so that's kind of, those were my intentions going into it. Right. And I think that's really important because like while a lot of people's goal is weight reduction, I always feel like with patients, there has to be some sort of higher purpose than just that. Yeah. Like you could just go starve yourself for three weeks and lose the pounds. Like, let's be honest. So there has to be something that's more versed in like health and longevity, I think. So for you with like the hormone piece. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, Right. Well, why don't you talk to our listeners about what is the ketogenic diet? Yeah, definitely. So I think this is where it gets a little bit confusing because people will comment, especially on Instagram or, you know, well, that's not a keto food. I saw this person who's keto and they're eating sweet potatoes, or I saw this person who's keto and they're eating CIA chips. And it's like, there isn't really a food that's a keto food. Ketosis is a state of being. Ketosis is a state of, I'm going to start using fat for fuel instead of just glucose. And without getting way too sciencey, I mean, the idea of this interview is more to, although I'm a practitioner, I was to kind of give you more of an idea of how it just felt to go through everything. But the added benefit is I'm pretty red on it. So I'm able to get a little bit more of the sciencey stuff, but I don't want to get too into that. So just let me know if I do because I get there. Right. right, right. <laughs> um, but it's a state of being. So if you can use ketones for fuel, then you're able to use what is known as like a cleaner fuel source and it lasts longer. So you can go through periods of time where you're maybe not eating as much and your body will kick into that state where it's using ketones. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the difference between a big log on a fire and kindling. Like the sticks and the leaves, they burn up really fast. That's glucose. So that's like when you're hungry again a couple hours later. When you're using ketones for fuel, all these really beautiful and magical things happen. And it's a natural state. I mean, we've, we all have it in us to use ketones. It's something that has that we've evolved with. Because if we went through periods of time, where we couldn't find food, we'd have to be able to get fuel from somewhere and we can get it from our own body fat. Right. And so whether you're eating fat, or whether you're 
basically creating ketones from your own fat, you're able to then have energy and fuel to be able to do all sorts of things. The ketogenic lifestyle is basically eating low carb. You can get into ketosis with a low carb diet. Generally speaking, anywhere from 20 to 30 grams of carbs or less. A lot of people say it's this high fat and it is. I mean, you do need, you obviously need fat because if you're taking away your carbs and then you've got protein, fat really helps with the satiety and also fat is super important as we've finally, everything's been shifting. Mm -hmm. Our cells are made out of fat. Our hormones are made out of fat. I mean, there's it's an incredibly important nutrient. Right. But just anything, you can overdo it. I mean, there's people who do keto and slather fat on everything and right. might be overdoing it a bit. But you can get into ketosis, like Maria Emmerich speaks about a lot, of just being low carb. And then right. you use fat, basically what works for you for satiety and based on what your goals are. Well, and I think that is such an important point. Like I tell this to patients that ask me about it all the time because I don't know why this is still the idea, but everyone I talk to almost thinks that the ketogenic diet is just like a ton of bacon. Right. (laughs) And avocados. (laughs) And I'm like, you get ketosis is carb deprivation, period. Like it is not like, yes, fat is helpful and we need fat like you're saying and I'm a huge proponent of eating fat does not equal fat on your body. Right. Because that's the other big misconception. But you get into ketosis with carb deprivation. That's why so many people just like naturally go in and out of ketosis like at night when they're fasting, right? Right, exactly. And, you know, babies are in a state of ketosis for the majority of the time they're babies because breast milk is so high in fat. Right. And fat and proteins. Exactly. It's a it's a supernatural place and process to be in. And there's a lot of people who are sort of starting to do this carnivore keto, which is basically protein and fat. Oh, yeah, I really want you to talk about that. So so interesting. I mean, I can't really speak a lot to it. I, I haven't tried it. I feel very called just where I'm at right now and what my health goals are with balancing hormones and, you know, working on creating a family and all these things that I, I feel like I just, I need vegetables. It's right. like where we I'm at. don't need another drastic diet change. To yeah. Right and that's, cause that's the thing. And that's also worth talking about is, you know, some people, they, they're like, well, keto didn't work for me. And that's okay. There are people that keto isn't going to work for them. Right. Absolutely. Now, even learning more about some of these um, genomes, there are people who they're not, their bodies will really not work well in it. The majority of people do. Cause like I said, it's a natural state of being in our body. However, um, oh my gosh, I totally lost my, oh, but when you go into keto from a standard American diet, or even let's say you're not standard American, let's say it's, you're eating paleo, but you're doing a ton of really starchy vegetables and Mm -hmm. higher carbohydrates, and then you go into keto, you're probably not going to feel that good. I mean, these drastic changes, they they're stressful on the body. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a state where you're already stressed out, I mean, that's not, it's not going to be good. Right. 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 Now, can you tell me, because I've heard this like argument against keto, like we've all heard, um, our body needs some glucose, our brain needs glucose to function. Can you so can you speak to that? Like if you're in a ketogenic state, what the deal is with that? Yeah, I mean, your brain loves using ketones for fuel. And I think that's part of the issue. 
it's interesting too. It's also part of the issue with like what we're learning now, like Alzheimer's, like the, um, what are they calling it? Type three diabetes where the brain like can't, it's like it can't use glucose as effectively, but it can use ketones. And so that's where a lot of these people who are in ketosis, they just feel like their brain is on fire, meaning in a good way. Like I have great focus a great clarity in a good way yeah not like yeah, it's literally well, on fire I, oh, I just literally pictured a brain on fire and i was like mm, <laughs> i pictured that painful. emoji where like the top of the head oh is like God. exploding mind blown <laughs> and i think you know they they feel they feel this sense of calm and that that's also has to do with really stable blood sugars because when you're in this state of using ketones and you are still using glucose for fuel too there's you know you're using both which is what a lot of experts are now calling this metabolic flexibility, which means you can use both forms as fuel. And so your body can shift back and forth and it right. just puts it in, in this easier state. And, but it's, it's also like your body's in this state of homeostasis, which just means everything feels really balanced. Your blood sugar is really balanced, which creates ease, which creates a state of joy. I mean, it's just, everything feels a lot more stable right. and, the brain, the brain really likes to use them and they're very anti-inflammatory. So that's the other piece. It's like these ketones go and go to work. And it's like people who have arthritis are like, Oh gosh, I don't really feel this pain anymore in my joints because they're so anti-inflammatory. So that's kind of the cool thing about it too, is that, you know, going to like, what are the benefits? It's like, gosh, there's so many. It's like, what's going on with you? You know, do you want to, do you want to lose some weight? Do you want to have increased focus? Do you want to balance your hormones? Do you want to just balance your blood sugar and get out of a state of insulin resistance? You know, wh- where are you at and what do you want to work on? Because it seems like it can kind of benefit a lot of different people. Now, can you speak to the argument of like cholesterol? Oh, gosh. I know. I mean, I just had to say it. <laughs> I, you know, people are going to ask. So I know. I feel like cholesterol, there's this, I think it, the book is called The Cholesterol Myth. I think that's literally the name of it. Cool. And it really helps debunk this a little bit. But basically, cholesterol is like a fire truck. And inflammation, let's say, or some issue going on in your body is like the fire. So cholesterol, all it's trying to do is help you to put put out inflammation. I mean, it's a good thing. If we're making a lot of cholesterol, it means like we need to find out like, what is the root cause? Why is our body creating all of this? Like, where is the state of inflammation? I mean, people, who's that? There's this one researcher. I don't think of his name. I'll, we can put it in the notes, but he actually found that people's cholesterol readings will get better just by omitting gluten than doing any sort of lowering of like bacon right, or butter. because you're just lowering inflammation. Yeah, because you can make more cholesterol in your body more than doing anything dietary. And so there becomes an issue when we start going really high fat and using like a lot of bacon or a lot of, even eggs or like red meat that's not great quality and high carb and we're doing grains mm-hmm. and we're doing bread. It's like that's when you're starting to just put way too much. And then I think what's going to happen is the higher cholesterol foods are going to get the bad rap over the grains and the bread. But the bottom line is you need to figure out where the inflammation is coming from. What's the source and then start lowering it. A lot of people have actually normalized their cholesterol levels by being in keto. That being said, 
there are people who just have a propensity to make more cholesterol. That's their biggest antioxidant. And so I think it's like a blood type O actually too. They tend to make more. And so you're, you just might be the person that has higher cholesterol and it doesn't right. really necessarily mean it's a problem. There's a lot right. of practitioners. Cause if that's your normal. Right. Okay. So well, I, cause I think a lot of people it. think like, Oh, if I'm like bordering high cholesterol or whatever, I would not be a good fit for keto. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I'd say, you know, this is where it might be beneficial to find, like, you can also look at some of your genes that tell you if it's just something that you do. It's just my body just makes more than other than the average person. Um, but I would, there would be other things I would work on while being in a ketogenic state to help that. For sure. Out. And it's like, if you're not getting your fats from, you know, an omega-6, like an inflammatory fat, then it's going to be anti-inflammatory anyway. Well, right. So I it's mean, going to help. that's why a lot of the people who talk about ketosis and they're coming from a really good, you know, educated, a lot of great research put into it. They're recommending all the things we would recommend, whether you're doing ketosis or not, which is grass fed meat, you know, not a lot of meat that's fed by corn and grains. Um, you're doing good quality eggs, you're doing good quality oils. I mean, that's the other part. If you're doing poor quality oils like canola oil and vegetable oil, mm -hmm. you and or even I mean, I'm not a fan of butter that's not grass fed either. I mean, gosh, your cholesterol is going to be through the roof, whether you're in ketosis or not. Right. And you're going to have a lot of other problems, too. You're going to have high blood pressure. You're going to have pain in your joints, probably. I mean, everybody's different, right? So when my body goes out of balance, it's going to be different than when your body goes out of balance. Yeah. We all have like these different propensities where your body's going to kind of towards go towards one thing. And those oils, man, that's like it's becoming I'm so glad more and more Dr. Kate Shanahan talks about it a lot and it's like that could be a bigger issue than gluten than anything else so if you're doing keto it's really important to make sure you're using good quality avocado oil coconut oil right. olive oil tallow yeah. grass-fed butter yeah well and I think that even regardless of if you're going keto that's a really simple change that people can make like tomorrow Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. just like clean up the oils you're using will help anything really in general. Yes. Okay. And, and, and it changes too. I mean, gosh, I, I wanted my sister to stop cooking like high heat things in olive oil. So I bought her grapeseed oil and then a week later learned that grapeseed oil was terrible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, throw it out. I mean, I it's know. like you, you're always learning new things. And that right. was probably a missed up on my part. But I mean... I feel like you just do the best you can, but as long as you're taking like little baby steps towards it, you're, you're on the right track. Right. Well, and it's like anything, the science is always developing. Mm -hmm. Right. So as time goes on, it's just like how, how many decades ago, like no one thought smoking was bad. Then, right. Oh, surprise. We find out it is right. So part of it is just the science keeps evolving and we learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I wanted you to talk to us about, um, how long, like if someone wants to start the ketogenic diet, how long does it take for them to actually start burning fat? 
So I would say the best way to find out if you're in ketosis or not, I'm a big fan, big fan of either doing the breath meter or the blood, like the blood pricks. Oh my gosh. Finger pricks. So checking in on your, like the blood, just pick your blood. Um, and when I use like the precision extra meter and you can get, I mean, you can get all this stuff on Amazon. It's great. Um, because you want to find out if you're actually in it or not. For me, I think it took about a week and I was already fairly low carb for years. Right. I've had people where it takes them three weeks. I've had other people wow. where it takes them two weeks. I mean, it, it really depends. I think I was able to shift over a little bit quicker just because, like I said, I was already low carb. You're so close anyway. But I think, you know, you also have to realize that as you're shifting some people don't always feel that great and they call it like the keto flu or whatever and all that really means is you're losing a lot more electrolytes because Mm -hmm. in keto you dump a lot of your excess water right so we like to make sure people are doing minerals of some sort some sort of electrolyte and also if you have a recommendation for that yes um how should we do that? Should we put that in the show notes? We'll put it in the notes, but speak to it. Yeah, I I don't know what it's called. It's just called Trace Minerals. <laughs> the one that I, okay. Ultima also has a really good electrolyte, but they do put a little bit of stevia Ultima in there. Sure, yes, it's good. But if you're someone who's trying to not have as many of the sweeteners, right? You can just um, do minerals. I would just do minerals, and I like that Trace Mineral one, so we could put that in there too. Okay. Um. And the other thing, too, is if you've come from this low-fat movement, which a lot of people have, I mean, they are petrified of fat. It's like, oh, my gosh, I haven't been putting butter on my vegetables in years. Or, you know, when I do salad dressing, I only use, like, lemon juice. It's like, so they're really shifting to starting to use more fat. And adding more fat will help you get into ketosis faster. So (laughs) it's kind of this, like, weird place where – we're like, all right, let's shift you into ketosis. And in order to do that, go low carb and also add m- more fat than you'll probably be eating, let's say, in a month from now. Right. And so it's this weird place. The body's like, I don't know, what am I doing? And so sometimes we see really loose stools. Sometimes we see like upset stomach and nausea. And it's, right. So then we've got to support the gallbladder. Or like you were talking about with your biohack, we've got to give somebody enzymes that can break down the lipase because their body's just not used to doing it. Right. And... So it's one of those things where it's like you might be in ketosis, but you might not be feeling that good initially. And there I'm are sure a lot of people stop at that point when they're probably like so close to feeling absolutely. amazing. And they're like, oh, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, well, it's probably not a fair assessment. We like to say, give it six to eight weeks yeah. and then decide if it's something that you want to stay in or not. And don't judge it by if you've lost weight or not, because right. some people will lose weight really fast and other people, they don't. Right. You know, they just notice you know, my mood feels really even. Like I usually get really mad at my husband about this and gosh, the whole thing just glossed right over me. It wasn't a big deal. Mm. Or wow, I'm sleeping a lot better. You know, I'm waking up and I actually feel like ready to start the day. You know, there's so many other things that I think people can feel when they're in a state of ketosis. That's not just. And that's why I think it like just can't be just about weight. Because then it's also people are coming from like it's a short term thing versus a lifestyle and I'm so glad you said like give it six to eight weeks because I can't tell you how many patients I've had that come in and they're like I tried keto last week and it didn't work I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) like you did it for four days no 
you know but i think it's something people think they can just try like that like i'm gonna try a new protein shake and see if i like it and it's such a big deal when you're changing the entire like metabolism of your body you have to give it time Absolutely. Because it's a huge shift. You're asking your body, if you've been a glucose burner for 34 years, you're asking your body to totally shift the way that it's making energy like that. That might be kind of it might take a minute, you know, so I think it's really also based on everything that you've been doing. And the other thing I like to say, sometimes when people don't feel good in ketosis, it's not because it's ketosis. It's like, I don't normally see ketosis cause any problems, but I see it shine like a flashlight on them. It's like, oh, well, now this is happening. Well, that's probably been an issue before, but now it's just coming up to light and it's something that we need to work on. Right. It's like showing you your gallbladder or liver is stressed. Right, exactly. And so I feel like, because you know, your body adapts to things. Right. And so when you when you change it up a little bit, it sometimes it's easier to see. And most of the time, I mean, my keto looks like, you know, vegetables, nuts and seeds, good quality protein, good quality oils. I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. all those are really healthy foods. So if something is happening, it's not like my body is missing. Right. You rice. shouldn't feel bad on healthy foods. That's <laughs> no, not normal. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of it's like, let's let's just see, you know, what it is that keto might be pointing out for you. Right. If that makes sense. Okay. And then tell us why. Like I've heard of this um, on so many podcasts, so many books seem to really speak to keto for women. Yeah. So why is it like so kind of out there for women these days? You know, I was thinking about this question. I feel like there could be multiple reasons. I mean, one, women have really complex hormonal pathways. It's just, it's, there's so much to them. And because keto works so well to help balance hormones, I feel like then it just sort of creates like a no brainer effect for women to do it. I mean, we're giving our body all the building blocks for hormones and a lot of women just have these imbalances. And one of the best ways to find out if a woman is hormonally imbalanced is to look at their menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, period. It's like, oh, ha, period. <laughs> no pun but, intended guys. <laughs> Yeah, whoa. But it's like, how many days does it last? Is it painful? Is it super heavy? Do you have a lot of clots? Do you feel horrible before it? Do you hate your husband or boyfriend two weeks out of a month? You get a migraine every month at your cycle. 100%. It's like, there's all these things. And I think women are like, yeah, I have cramps. Everyone has cramps. And it's like, well, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think you know, that's such a good indicator that's not talked about quite as often. How how often is your period coming? Is it every two weeks? Is it every five? Is it, a, you know, and I think I've seen a lot of women be able to balance their menstrual cycles. I mean, I have to say for me, that was one of the coolest things to have a period with no cramps. I was like, what is right. this? Right. And that was when, that was at a period of time where I was really, you know, just sticking to keto really well um, I don't want to say the word Sean Miner always says like ketoing harder, which is not always a good thing, you know, like tracking everything to a sure. team. Right, right. That, that creates a lot more stress. But, um, you know, I, I, I hadn't fallen out of keto. You were in it for months. a really long time without yeah. going out. Yeah. And there was, you know, it was one of the, like, I've had, I had a bunch of cycles that were like some of the best I've ever had. And so I think 
just in general. Also, you know, women with feeling like their blood sugar is unstable, feeling stress, anxiety, and I know men go through this too, of course, but I think it just really helps, again, with all of our other hormones. If our cortisol, so and our blood sugar, everything is tied together, right? So mm-hmm. if your blood sugar is out of whack, your cortisol is gonna be out of whack, which is like your stress hormone. And if that's really high, guess what? No one's losing weight. I mean, your body's in like fight or flight, even if you don't feel like it, it's not gonna feel like it's in a safe space to start dropping body fat. Right. And then all of your other hormones go crazy because everything is shuttling to make cortisol instead of making all of these other really great hormones. And so if we can just start by balancing the blood sugar, it's amazing how everything else starts falling into place. And that's why weight loss, you know, I'm going to say on the scale because a lot of people lose inches and don't really equate that is the same way. But, you know, your body has to feel like it's in a safe place in order to start dropping body fat. And it feels really safe when it's when the blood sugar is balanced. So I don't know. I feel like it just creates totally. this, this really just kind of balances everything, case. basically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. Okay. Um. So tell us. I'd love for our readers to get a feel, like a visual almost from you describing what a day would look like for you. Like what does your plate look like? What do your meals look like when you are eating keto? Yeah. So I would say first, I'm going to answer this question by saying it really depends on if you're intermittent fasting or not. Intermittent fasting is like the new thing, which is hilarious because it's an old thing, right? I mean, it's very ancestral. It's something that you know, there wasn't like back in the day, like it's noon, it's lunchtime. It's like, you know, was there food? Could we find it? Did we hunt that day? I mean, there's right so many things. So intermittent mm-hmm. fasting is is really just a tool that means are you not eating for a certain period of time? And there's so many benefits of fasting, which could be a totally new episode again. Um, But the point of that is that for me, I usually do somewhere between a 12 to 14 hour fast, which means I eat dinner at, I'm an early bird, 5.30 or 6. If my husband's traveling, I eat at 5. And and then I don't eat again until the next morning at, you know, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. sometimes. And for me, I've, I've experimented with doing longer fasts. For me, it's not, you know, I don't recommend a lot of women doing intermittent fasting right off the get-go if they're trying to balance their hormones. It's just, it can be, a, like we said, another stress on the body. Right. I have, Your body's like, where is my breakfast that, that right, it's had for exactly. so long? Well, and it's also just some people experience higher blood sugar when they start fasting too much. I've experienced that in the past. Mm. Uh, My cortisol levels are a little high, so I'm trying to just keep my body feeling nice and safe and happy, which for me is, you know, three meals a day, basically. I don't snack. Um, Again, it's another one of those things where it's another big balance for the blood sugar. So every time you eat, you're going to produce insulin. And so it's, it's like if you can keep those windows a little bit bigger. So mine are usually what four or five hours in between. Um, it's just overall has been shown to help balance the blood sugar a little bit better. So 
I'm a big fan of not eating the same thing every day. And I know there's a lot of people who just, they like to eat the same thing every day. It's easy for them. They don't have to think about it. I think that that tends to create a lot of food sensitivities. And I'm also a big fan of changing it up for the body. So it doesn't really get used to too many things. So breakfast can be a million different things, but usually it's like eggs. Sometimes it's chicken sausage. Sometimes it's like really good quality bacon that either Matt makes or we get it from Whole Foods or Butcher Box. Um, I almost always have a little bit of green, like whether it just be like celery and a little bit of almond butter, or sometimes it's like arugula with olive oil. It depends. Again, it's like there's different times in your in a woman's cycle where you can introduce a little bit more carbs versus going even super low carb. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's kind of a whole thing, but I I would say between, (laughs) (laughs) between the time, like, let's say you've been menstruating for five days, you know, towards like maybe that fifth day, Mm -hmm. basically up until a couple days before ovulation. So it might not be that long. It might only be like a week. Your body responds to really well to super low carb. And just so kind of right there. after your cycle before ovulation. Exactly. Super low carb. And then around ovulation, you can do um, a little bit of like fruit or um, there's like certain um, glutathione producing. Leanne Vogel talks about this. She's a really good resource for this. But like, um, you know, fruit. And then I think she says like grapefruit. There's some peppers, garlic, higher glutathione producing foods around ovulation. And then a couple days post ovulation until you start menstruating, a lot of women will experience higher carb cravings. So you might do something like, and these are mostly, we're talking about just a dinner. So your breakfast and lunch are pretty much keto. Mm -hmm. And then dinner is going to have a little bit more higher carbs. So maybe a little bit of sweet potato, cassava, um, you know, adding a little bit more higher starch of squash or something with dinner. I don't do that every night. I probably only do it a couple times um, a, week. a month. Oh, no, month. not even. I, I've, you know, I've just tend to find that for me, I do, I do a lot better on pretty low carb. Right. Even though I tend towards hypothyroid. So that's why it's like every, you know, maybe four times a month. So yeah, that could be once a week. I'll do a little bit more higher carb and I'll notice like, Oh, I feel pretty good the next day, but I don't, I've experimented with it and I don't need to do it multiple nights. Doing it more than that then can probably be too much. Yeah, it can be too much. And for some women, they feel great on it. You know, for me, I, I'm still kind of messing around with it. Um, so you're right. So either breakfast is like not really any greens or sometimes I'll add a little bit in there. Lunch is like all over the place. It kind of depends, but it's most of like yesterday I made a salad with like some raw kale. So it had all of its enzymes in there, Abby. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of herbs and like I use a lot of fresh parsley and cilantro. I cook a lot with rosemary and thyme. Um, I'm a big fan of using those things. They have a lot of really amazing properties to them. Parsley is fantastic for starting to get rid of like excess water. So mm-hmm. it's in cilantro. Great for heavy metals. Cilantro is really good for heavy metals. Um, 
And then I'm a big fan of using like olive oil a lot as my fat or avocado oil, macadamia nut oil. And I really love sardines. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's a really easy protein to put on a salad for me. you talk to people about a sardine situation? Like, Like, dispel some of the myths that it's like the most disgusting thing in the world. Dude, I love sardines. I don't like... Do they taste super fishy? Like, what is the deal? Kind of. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question because we were raised with like eating all sorts of crazy food. It just was a thing. And so there's not that much like, you know, the food that's the most disgusting to me is Kraft macaroni and cheese. Right. What? <laughs> like, I remember having to make that for my brothers when I was little and like, <laughs> puking like powdered cheese. You've got to be kidding me. Right. But like sardines, like, come on, put it on a Jill's cracker. I call know, it a day. But- I'm some people can't get past. There's a couple of things people can't get past. One is like super fishy taste, which that one I understand. I do not like fish that tastes really fishy. Yeah. Grosses me out. I like cannot get over the smell and the taste. So if they're not super fishy, I can't deal. Number two is I think people cannot get around like the ones that are like the whole fish. Right. People like freak out that the bones are in there, or, like the head or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. I think saying. it's all personal preference. Matt doesn't really like things like that either. It doesn't bother me. Right. You're like, whatever. Sardines are easy. But I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just an easy protein. And I think also having some meals for me that don't include protein are also okay. Yeah. Like once in a while, it's like I can just eat like a bunch of vegetables with some fat on there and I'm good to go. So, again, maybe that's my blood type A. Maybe it's maybe I should be eating. As long as you're balancing it with fat, you probably feel fine. Yeah, I feel great. And then dinner, you know, grass fed meat. We've been doing yak lately. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Colorado. There's a yak distributor in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) We also have a bison guy, and bison is always grass-fed. It has right. to be, so that's a really easy source of protein. I've been really doing a lot more fish lately. Oh, well, that's good. So I, I didn't know that. Bison is always grass-fed. Yeah, always. Wow. Cool. I know, so it's easy, because sometimes the steak is, like, harder to figure out. We'll do lamb. I love I lamb. You too. Ugh, so okay. I feel like that's good. And then everyone's got to kind of figure out what their portion sizes are. Cause I feel like the next question always is like, well, how much meat are you eating? How much fat are you putting on your plate? Mm. You know? And, and I feel like I've kind of experimented all over the board, but what I, what I've seen with me is that if I do around three to five ounces of protein, that seems good. Right. And probably not that much every meal. And then not, I mean, there was a point in time we can talk about tracking a little bit where I use my fitness pal and sometimes tracking is really triggering for people. For me, it wasn't really triggering. It more so was just like, oh my God, I'm not going to be tracking That's the rest of my information, life. But yeah. This right now. But yeah, as much as I knew about nutrition, I didn't know how many carbs I was eating. Right. I had no idea. Right. And so it's helpful to see like what keeps, like what keeps you in ketosis, what kicks you out. You know, it's definitely easier to stay in ketosis when you don't have as many vegetables I've found for me, but I like eating vegetables. So, and then there are other times in my life where 
you know, depending on what's going on, I've had a lot of huge transitions since I've been doing keto where it's like, gosh, no matter what I do, I can't be in ketosis. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like my, my hormones were really wonky. That's really good to point out though. Like you can eat the perfect quote ketogenic diet. And if you're really stressed or you have a lot going on, you might not quite be able to get there, but it doesn't also mean that you're not getting like good health benefits from eating that way. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, when you do the little finger prick, it's best to do it first thing in the morning, or it's good to do it two hours after a meal or two hours after exercise. And sometimes my ketones would only register like 0.4. And I'd be like, Oh, my gosh, how am I not in keto? And there's a couple experts, Craig Emmerich and Vanessa Spina, who are like, no, you're still in ketosis. Like you're still registering ketones, even at a point four. It just means you might be using them more effectively. Right. They're was, still oh, there. It's interesting. So I think, you know, it's kind of judging how you feel. Like having higher ketone numbers isn't necessarily better. And if there's something going on that's a little bit stressful, you might not be able to stay in it. Like, and that's okay. I mean, there was a period of time last year where I was accidentally on way too much thyroid support. Right. Man, I was in ketosis all the time. It was crazy. Right. Like, I could like <laughs> have a night where I had, you know, a couple glasses of wine, some Siete chips and you know, whatever. It's still, I mean, let's be real. By most people's standards, it was still super low carb. I was drinking dry farm wine, which has like no sugar. But still, the next morning I'd register like 1.1. I was like, what is going on? Right. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was just because my thyroid was a little high. I just really wasn't stressed out at that point in my life. I mean, it, it's really <laughs> hard to know. I right. think... I think it's just like you just try and eat the way that feels good for you and right. be in well, it or it all goes out. back to that idea of metabolic flexibility because, look, we're all going to live life. You're going to go on vacation and want to enjoy yourself. You're going to have your best friend's wedding. You know, you're going to do those things. Like you can't constantly feel like you're in a state of deprivation, but then you have the tools like, okay, I'm going to go live life for a week and like have fun and enjoy myself. And then I'm going to get back on track. Like you should be able to go back and forth once you're fat adapted and once that's established. Right. And that's that whole cycling in and out of ketosis and, you know, carb cycling and all of that. And it's so interesting for me that we have to like give it labels. I don't know. It's like, what if over the weekend, I'm just going to have a little bit of higher carb and not check my ketone readings. And, you know, yeah. maybe I'm still in it, maybe I'm not, but, but like, my body cares? knows what to do. Right. Yeah. Now, for me personally, I've gotten myself to a point where a higher carb night for me is some Siete chips. They should probably sponsor the podcast. Let's be right. honest. How many hey, times Siete. have I mentioned them? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like some Siete chips, some. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of dry farm wine, maybe a little bit of like dark chocolate, you know, I mean, it's not, it's still not not like binging on donuts. No, but like Matt's dad the other day made a gluten free scone. I a hundred percent had that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it didn't throw me for the whole day. I didn't like keep having carbs for some, I think that's where you have to know yourself though. Yeah. Cause for some people that will throw them. Some and people have they- to be a hundred percent strict right. at least for a certain amount of time. Now, like my goal with my patients is always that they can get to the place of the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. You know, because I think 
you can fall, people fall way out of balance on either end of the spectrum, either like obviously too unhealthy, constantly craving carbs and sugar and like they're on that train. And that obviously we know is not good for you. And it's also another form of disordered eating to be so regimented and crazy that like you have no flexibility. Like that I think is just as unhealthy. Well, and it's stressful too. I mean, I'll be honest, one of the coolest things about being in ketosis for me was I have no cravings. Right. For like zero. It's so weird. I mean, not that I was ever one of those people who had like crazy sugar cravings, but I loved having like a little bit of dark chocolate every night. Now, if that works for you, cool. It doesn't work for me. Right. It just doesn't. For whatever reason, having a little bit of dark chocolate every night for me, I don't feel as good in my body. Right. And not right now. Maybe in a little bit when my hormones are more healed, I can do that, I'm sure. But like right now, that's not that's not where I'm at. But I don't even want it right now. Right. It's great. And right. if I decide, hey, one night we got, you know, we got really good dark chocolate when we were traveling in Vancouver. We decided to have a little bit. It's like I can have two squares and be done. I mean, that's amazing. Right. I and mean, then you're like, that's enough. Ten years ago, it was like, I mean, I only had half of a bar of chocolate. It's like, what? <laughs> right. Like, and that was, you know, like a victory. It's like, oh boy. So I think everywhere, every person is different on where they're at with carb cravings and how they can handle it. And yeah, maybe you are that person that needs to be really strict for a while in order just to get over the hump. And you know what? That's okay. Well, and I think especially if you're really looking at this from a health perspective, like if you want to lower your cholesterol, if you want to heal your hormones, if you've got like autoimmune things happening, like go for it. Be in it to win it. Be super strict for a while. Like you'll get those benefits so much faster. But for some people, it doesn't work to be like so rigid either. Like they'll burn out too quickly. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, sometimes for me, there's been periods of time where it does, it works really well to be regimented. And then other times it's like, well, you know, we've got a lot of people. I need more flexibility. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just where you're at in your life and what your goals are, right? Totally. Like if I'm trying to lower my cortisol, like tracking my food every day, maybe it's not the best thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Addicted to my fitness pal. I can't stop. Yeah. Just eat breakfast and we plug it all in. And but then again, you know, there were times where it was really helpful to be like, hey, this is how much you know, this is how much carbs I ate when I ate like this, or this is how many, you know, I don't know. I think it's such a great educational tool, but for certain people, especially people that may have had a history, I think of disordered eating, um, all those measuring things, the scale, my fitness pal measurements, you know, whatever are like you're saying can be very triggering. So totally. I love data. So for me, it's like, it was just a little bit more data to see what was working and what wasn't until it became annoying. And I think a lot of people need to learn because you're saying even people that are super educated, you plug something in and you're like, I had no idea that salad I was going to have had like 38 carbs. Totally. And it's like, oh, okay. Need to balance it out a little bit. Or just measuring like what a tablespoon of almond butter looks like versus like what I used to think it was it's like oh boy I mean there are just you know that's the thing it's like fat in your plate doesn't equate to fat on your body but it can if you're way overdoing it so that's where it's like I don't know that we really need to always pay attention to calories and all of that but 
you know, there are, there are still portion sizes, right? I mean, that's, that's it's really thing. easy to do yeah. way too much olive oil for you. Right. So totally. There you go. Okay. Well, we've talked about a lot of different resources. Can you just summarize like some of your favorite either podcasts or books, like things you recommend for people getting started? Yeah, for sure. So the Keto Reset Diet by Mark Sisson. I mean, this guy's been around forever. I He is such a wealth of knowledge. I don't know if you remember Mark's Daily Apple like back in the day. He was like one of my favorite first resources to go to like learning about paleo. Now he's like all about keto. And what I like about his book is like it, it really walks you through how to transition yourself into keto mm-hmm. where you're not just dumping into it and feeling like crap. So I like that. Um, I really like Sean Miner. She's got some good stuff on her podcast. Yeah, I like Vanessa Spina is probably one of my favorites. And she was, you know, episode two, um, where we she's ketogenic girl, her podcast is fast keto, she's got really great experts on there. Leanne Vogel, she's great books, she just came out with another one called keto for women, which I haven't read yet. But don't worry, it's ordered. <laughs> and we have a free interview with her that I think it's on our Mind Body Spirit Spade, Mind Body Spirit Squad page. Yeah, it is on our website. And it's linked on my Instagram too. Um, and I think those are all really good places to start. I will say, uh, Dr. Allie Miller, actually, I don't know if she's a doctor. Anyways, I'll just call her that. She <laughs> um, talks a lot about keto for anxiety and keto for like depression and a lot of like the mood cool. issues. And um, it's pretty cool. And, you know, it's interesting. Like some of these people's recipes are not what you would think of. You know, for people who are like, I just don't think I can eat that much meat. It's like, gosh, you could do like chia pudding or right. smoothies. I there's mean, there's other so, sources of protein, right? I'm not the go-to person for recipes. Like I, <laughs> I feel like when, when people are like, it's really hard for me to like come up with a keto lunch. I'm like, it's a can of sardines and some arugula and olive oil. Right. Like, what's the big deal, you know, but right. that's just me. I don't really care if it's like, this but you're big also thing. like, I'm very similar. I'm not a super crazy food made it motivated person like food is fuel to me I'm like I don't care I'll make a protein shake and move on right right some people like my husband loves cooking and being creative in the kitchen and like creating new things so like he could never be like that he was like that he would have to have like recipes and ideas and stuff so totally and like Josh Axe has really good recipes a lot of these people do oh my gosh and Dr. Anna Kabeca she wrote the hormone fix so she was one of the first people I really found who was doing like what she calls keto green which is like lots of vegetables Uh not a ton of protein from animals um, and really wants you to be in an alkaline state. And that's how she balances hormones for women. And so, like I said, there's so many different approaches where like Vanessa Spina loves carnivore and she's doing great on it. Right. And so that's what, you know, for me, it's interesting. It's like, could I be somebody who does really well on carnivore? Maybe, you know, maybe when it's like you work yourself up to that state where there are right. like other people that just thrive on it right from the get go. So again, it's kind of just like, figuring it out for yourself yeah it's i mean a lot of it is trial and error because yeah. there is no one size fits all when you're talking about ketosis especially like no it's however your body's going to respond to it right like i'd say in general stay away from the packaged foods stay away from the poor quality meat stay away from the bad oils 
include a lot of really good, wholesome foods. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I don't remember. Someone said it on one of the podcasts. They were like, I went to my doctor and and they were like, oh, keto's unhealthy. But if you tell them that your doc- your diet is good quality protein, vegetables, nuts and seeds, once in a while some fruit and some good quality fats, they'll like, be like, oh, amazing. sounds great. Right. <laughs> So true. And that's essentially like like you almost don't even want to say the word anymore because there are so many misconceptions. It's unfortunate. Right. I mean, the bottom line is there are people who do better with grains than other people. Nobody needs a grain. It's not a required nutrient for a human body. It's just not. However, there are people who do really well on them sometimes. I don't know. I don't know many, but can handle them and tolerate them. And, you know, there are people like me, like, I, I just can't. Well, I think at the end of the day, the people that do well on grains goes down to their genetics and their ancestry and how active they are. Like, the only yeah. people I've seen who, like, honestly, like, need them or, like, like, a small amount of them, not a lot, but are, like, really um, incredibly physically active. And what's interesting is on it's probably just they can burn it. podcast called the primal blueprint. There's a guy on there who talks a lot about endurance. He's all about endurance sports mm-hmm. um, and people being in ketosis. And he says, eventually once you switch yourself over, you actually will far surpass what you were doing when you were eating grains. Right. I'm yeah. sure. But that's the other piece. But then if you're all endurance and aerobic, you're burning fat anyway. Right. So that's what you need mostly for fuel. But I think the other piece that's really interesting is we tend to judge people by how well they handle food based on their body fat. So we're like, oh, well, that person's super lean. They can eat whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Can they, though? Like, how's their mood? How are they sleeping? What does their skin look like? Right. Well, are they having this like cycle? Are they, you know, I mean, it's like there's so many other ways to like look at somebody's body than just like, are they lean or not? And is something working for them? Right. I always talk about this with patients. Like I saw this, I'm sure you did too, in anatomy lab in medical school. You could have a really lean, looks like a petite, like healthy cadaver. You cut them open, their organs, everything is full of fat. Oh my gosh crazy so like it it doesn't matter like how thin someone appears or or whatever like inside they could be very unwell right and i'm not saying that's just because they eat grains there's probably other things too but i mean it's yeah it's interesting right okay well last question how long do you plan to do keto for like do you have another thing you're like itching to try or are you pretty no And you know what's interesting is since I've been doing keto on and off, I we Matt and I after our wedding last year, we decided just like not to really care. Right. And I didn't do keto for like five months. And it's interesting because not really caring is still like really healthy, right? It's just not You just weren't tracking and being like Yeah, exactly. Ketosis officially. Right. Like in right, exactly. And I have to say, like I I'm really decided, okay, I want to get back in it this year. And I feel so much better. I mean, in so many different ways. So I feel like I'm just probably going to use it as my base. Like this is sort of how I eat. This is my lifestyle. 
once in a while I have higher carbs, I'm not going to like lose my mind about it. But I have noticed my blood sugar is more stable when we are doing my blood work. It looks a lot better. I think where, you know, what I just learned about my genes yesterday, it makes a lot of sense why I feel really good eating this way. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty intuitive with my body. So I feel like if there's points in my life where I feel like I want a little bit higher carbohydrates, like I'll, I'll do it in the forms that I know that work for me. Right. But I think it's going to sort of be my baseline for the foreseeable future. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. That was all awesome information. I think it really would answer most questions for anyone looking to get started in keto and see if it sounds like it's a good fit for them. Good. I'm so glad. And if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to us at coffee with the docs at Gmail. And we're happy and we're or DM us on, on Instagram. Insta. Yeah. And we're happy to, you know, maybe throw out some other es- experts and other information. Totally. And we will update like the notes for you guys with the different resources we talked about. So if you want to order some of those books or products we spoke to, all that information will be there. Bam. I love it. All right. Thanks, Dr. Nicole. Yeah, thank you.